Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spiritual Journey podcast. This is episode 82. Um, I'm excited about this episode. I'm excited about all the episodes, but this one in particular. Um, in this one, Stacey's going to share her spiritual awakening story, so I'm excited for what I was going to come through. Uh, before we begin, I'd love my beautiful co-host, the healer extraordinaire, uh, now published author, Stacey Brown. Stacey, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, friends. It's so good to be back with you. Um, as Nim said, my name is Stacey. I'm an intuitive. I do readings for people around the world. I'm an Akashic record reader, a spiritual mentor and coach, and a recently published author. My book, Journey to Soul Center, Discovering the Gift of Surrender, is available on Amazon and Audible, so check it out. Thank you, Stace. Hi, everybody. I'm Nims uh, Nimesh. I'm also an Akashic record reader, Akashic trainer, podcast host, podcast creator, spiritual coach and mentor. And yeah, I love the work that we do. feel so blessed with this podcast. I was guided to start this podcast through the Akashic records. Um, so yeah, I love all the work we do. The mentorship program we, we do has also been channeled through the Akashic records. So Akashic records have really changed our life. And as we go through this episode and Stacey shares her awakening story, um, if it resonates and you feel like you want some guidance on your spiritual journey, um, we do an amazing, amazing mentorship program, which is changing lives. We also do coaching. There's various options in terms of working with us and being guided by us. So um, go to any one of our websites and book a free discovery call. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to connect with you. Um, we'd love to hear what, what's going on in your life. So go ahead and book a free discovery call and we can talk to you about how we can serve and, and support you. Uh, Stace, how do you feel about our mentorship program? Our mentorship program was something that was absolutely divinely led and something that we've watched people embark on the journey and experience some massive shifts. So I always get excited when <clears throat> we have the opportunity to help somebody new <clears throat> and a free discovery call is the place to start. And if you're not already following us on social media, absolutely give us a follow. We show you some of the inside workings of what we do and sometimes get a little silly too. Nice. Yeah, do follow us. Um, we just love what we do. So and feel so blessed with this podcast, get messages every week and in terms of the impact it's having. So, but yes, stay starting this episode. Um, what we what we decided to do was the, the podcast is called Spiritual Journey Path to Awakening. And we kind of um, realized that we don't, we have a, lots of spiritual topics and we love the conversations, but we started a series where we're going to ask and we're going to talk to people about their spiritual awakening. And um I shared mine a couple weeks ago, and Stacey's going to share hers today. So, um, Stace, where do you want to begin as we talk about your spiritual awakening and the journey? Uh, I know you've been through a lot all your life, really, but the last few years has been accelerated. But why don't we begin with the early years? Kind of give us the foundation of who Stacey Brown is, your background, and kind of how your early years is influencing you today. Absolutely. So I was raised in a very devoutly religious home and I had no idea that there was 
any separation between religion and spirituality. I just knew that there was a structure to the way things were done in my home. And I was expected to follow that structure. And I don't ever remember a time not feeling that, you know, it was like from as early as I can remember, um, went to church multiple times a week, um, followed a very strict structure. And, um, I remember feeling an intense amount of pressure, you know, like there was a pressure to behave a certain way, to present a certain way. And, um, it was, dare I say it was scary because I felt like there was this expectation of me and my behavior and the way that I was showing up in the world that I didn't quite understand. Um, as I embarked into like adolescence and going into like the preteen years, I started to feel, um, an internal crisis of sorts. And I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but the way that I handled it was taking it out on myself. Um, and so uh, trigger warning for those who are, are sensitive to this topic. Um, I became so depressed and anxious that um, I attempted to take my own life. And I remember after that attempt, laying in my bed and having one of my first spiritual experiences where I was laying in bed, still feeling the after effects of the attempt, feeling the disappointment of my parents, feeling the pressure of religion. And I had a, a profound spiritual exchange. And for me, it was with God. And I was laying in my bed and praying, you know, how, like, how do I get through this? What do I do? And I felt like I was cocooned in this warm kind of blanket of white light. And I felt God say to me, hold on, there's more. And it was the first time where I remember having like a significant exchange. There had been moments where I had had, you know, intuitive hits and sensations and um, communication, but this was by far the strongest one. And it it confused me quite honestly because there was no one to talk to about it and there was no place to put it and um around that same time um my mom was a stay-at-home mom and she would you know she had like her routine during the day and part of that routine was watching the Oprah Winfrey show and so, and it was always on when I was getting home from school, it was like timing wise, we would walk in the door and there was mom watching the Oprah show. And shortly after this attempt, um, I was walking in the door and my mom was watching the show and I sat down and there was this woman named Marianne Williamson as a guest on the Oprah show. And 
for those who, you know, have been on their spiritual journey, I feel like everybody's heard of Marianne Williamson, right? She was just this kind of spiritual ambassador before people really understood spirituality. And she was simplifying the connection between us and God and that the foundation was love. And I remember just being captivated by her because it was the first time where the connection with God wasn't connected to the pressure of performance, but rather to the concept of unconditional love. And I remember sitting with that episode and and churning and thinking, what, what was this? And I shortly thereafter went with some friends to the local mall and we walked past a bookstore and I remember seeing this book by Marianne Williamson and I went into the bookstore and I purchased the book and Nims, I poured over that book. It was a return to love by Marianne Williamson and the concept in it of us and our connection with God felt so pure and felt so enlightening and rich and loving. And it wasn't the same theme of guilt and shame that I had been exposed to for so long. And that was the first point where I remember thinking, there is more than than this faith that I have been taught. There's more than this structure that I've been exposed to. And for me, it, It felt simple and it felt good, but it still didn't fit with my environment. You know, it was like, okay, now I have this concept. What do I do with it? And though I felt like I was deepening my spiritual connection, my world was still riddled with guilt and shame. It's pretty interesting. I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to, um, going from religion to spirituality. And I think a lot of your story is around, you know, in your younger years, there was a lot of religious structure, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that doesn't always fit with spirituality, but I'm wondering kind of that structure that you grew up with in your younger years, how did it affect you? And how is it affecting you today in terms of the spiritual journey? how is it helping and maybe how is it holding you back in some ways? Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to the story to just share that I didn't feel like there was room for me to explore. I felt like I was there was an expectation of how things were supposed to be. And I find even now, sometimes I revert back to that way of thinking, like, you know, if something doesn't make sense, well, like, it's not supposed to be that way, you know, and and a lot of that came from um, a father who was extremely strict and followed, like, to the letter, the way that he felt he was supposed to live in order to be a quote unquote, good person. And so I think it I think there was just so much confusion for me um, because what I felt in my heart was different than what my upbringing was. 
you know, and um, in the religion that I was brought up in, um, women were subservient to men and men held a certain power simply because they were men and the women were expected to kind of follow the, the leader or the, the male role of the house. And I feel like it really caused me to feel like I wasn't allowed to make decisions necessarily, and that they were supposed to be made by a male counterpart. And it's something that followed me for a long time in my life, a really long time. And let me just say, um, I this if this feels important to the conversation, and we've talked a little bit about this in a previous episode, but my son um, has gone through some mental health and substance abuse issues. And um, I had this really beautiful conversation with him. And I feel like this really makes sense. He talked about, um, you know, how he was struggling with his issues. And he said, you know, mom, I had a God-sized hole in my chest. And through all of the challenges in my life, I was trying to fill that God-sized hole. And I tried to fill it with drugs and I tried to fill it with gambling and I tried to fill it with sex and I tried to fill it with steroids and, and money and nothing fills that God-sized hole but God. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I believe that I too was trying to fill my God-sized hole. And so as I embarked on the journey of kind of experiencing a little bit of spirituality with Marianne Williamson, there was this other part of me that was still trying to fit into the mold that I, of, of expectation. And I was trying to fill that God-sized hole. And for me, I tried to fill that God-sized hole with how I performed as a, as a person, like the way that I was showing up in the world. I tried to fill that God-sized hole with relationships I tried to fill that God-sized hole with having children. And each one of my decisions throughout my life was like I was trying to compensate for something that I was not that I was disconnected from, right? And so through each step of my spiritual journey, it was like I would get little inklings of there being a different way of doing things. And yet there was still this battle in between of what I was taught and the way that things were supposed to be and what I was being led to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And um, I feel it's all connected, right? I, it's that, um, you know, I talk a lot about we're a soul having human experience and you wouldn't be the person you are today if you had an experience what you went through as a child. And, um, you know, it gives you clues as to kind of, I guess what you're here to deal with in this lifetime, right? If I, um, you know, we, as a soul, we we pick our blood family to expand us. And, um, you know, you talked about your, your father kind of having a big impact on you um, in terms of that structured environment. And, um, you know, then you talked about 
you know, kind of how you try to fill the God size hole. By the way, a side side note, we have a, a full episode on the God size hole. So uh, please do listen to it. It's a powerful, powerful episode. But I just, you know, for me, Stace, knowing a lot about, you know, kind of what you've been through, it does kind of lead you lead me to believe that part of your challenges in this lifetime is around masculinity. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious in terms of you growing up and growing up in, in a kind of a strong masculine figure as, as a father. Um, what was that experience like? And, and um, how is it? How is how has it kind of, I guess, helped in your journey? And how is it, How what are you still working on in terms of releasing? So, I, my relationship with my father was a very complicated one. Um, like I said, it was like a patriarchal upbringing right and and so the way that my father presented to the world was that he was very spiritual and very disciplined um and very committed to his faith and i saw a different side of him behind closed doors and so it left me with a lot of um like questions you know like okay so you you you're this way in front of people, but then you're another way when you're not in front of people. And so it was hard. You know, I I remember going to church and people coming up to me and saying, you are so lucky. Your dad, you know, your dad is this amazing spiritual man and you're so lucky to have him as a father. And meanwhile, at home behind closed doors, it was a very different environment. It was very controlling. It was abusive. And um, the way that it's challenged me is that um, it, I turned it on myself. I would turn it on myself because I was so confused. You know, I mean, here we have this man who claims to be really spiritual. Um, so I must be the problem. Yeah. And I did everything I could to escape. And I would say I spent a lot of years running from that. And I shut myself off for about a decade from spirituality. Now, when I say that, I still had some spiritual hits right? I still had like some intuitive hits and moments where I knew things that how would I know them, those those kind of moments. But I, I would say I was pretty pissed off at God. You know, I, I, I would say I really, I, I stopped going to church, um, when I turned 22 and I, I was bitter. I was bitter. And I closed myself off to the idea of ever feeling connected in that way as much as possible, right? Like I still had some beautiful moments, like with the birth of my children, you know, it's a, in my opinion, it's the most beautiful spiritual experience to feel a soul enter the world. And so I still had some of those moments, 
but day to day I was very closed off and I think I was angry, you know, um, feeling like I, like God had failed me by giving me the parents that he did, you know, a father who was controlling and, um, dysfunctional and a mother who was passive and stood by and watched the dysfunction. I think I just stayed in this place of not really being sure what to do. And during that time, I became very focused on creating my own life, right? So I have four kids. So I was having babies. I was married. I was divorced. I was married again. Um, and I was following somewhat in my mother's footsteps as far as I made the decision to be a stay-at-home mom for several years, thinking that that was going to somehow fulfill me. And I, I had always had a passion for hair and beauty. I loved makeup. I loved skincare. I loved hair. Um, and, and it was something that I loved, but when I brought it up to my dad, he was like, you are not going to be blue collar. Like you're, you're, you have to go to college. And that thought stayed in my head for a really long time. And by the time I had three kids, um, my husband at the time was struggling with addiction and I had this prompting to check out beauty school and, you know, being a mom with three kids, like I, I, you know, how was I going to fit this in? Um, but I, I went to the beauty school and like, I did the interview and I applied and, you know, I was, I was excited about it. But I will never forget the first day that I walked into the beauty school. It was my first night at school. And if the sky could have opened up and angels would start singing, that was the power of me going into this small school in a rural area it was like the most beautiful, like, ah, uh, moment, you know, where I was just like, oh my gosh, like, this is, this is me. Like, this is what I'm meant to do. And it was the most significant spiritual experience that I had had in that 10 year span. You know, like I, I was angry. I was closed off. Um, I, I definitely, I was definitely in victim mode and a part of me was awakened that first night at beauty school. It was like, Stacy, you've, you've found something that is going to allow you to make an impact, allow you to serve and is also going to fulfill you. And it was like literally a huge turning point for me in my life. Huge. Wow. And I'm sure a lot of a lot of our listeners can relate to kind of growing up in a in a in a, a structured environment in a religious environment. And how did your your kind of journey evolve from the strong structured environment into that spiritual? And how did kind of hairdressing fit into all of that? In terms of, it feels like you found your calling and it's like when you find when you find your calling there, there's a connection there it's more of a heart and a soul level and it's just so I'm curious kind of 
what happened next in terms of that that spiritual connection with you found your purpose now you you know what you're here to do you know, kind of you kind of went against your your father's wishes um because you felt something inside how did that feel like for you um so it, it was beautiful but it was also confusing because i started you know working with clients and I was putting my hands on people and I was sensing things. I would sense if, you know, my client had had an argument with her husband. I would sense if someone was grieving. I would sense um, if someone was like in a, in, a, in a beautiful space. I could feel that. I was really dialing in on energy, which had never been explained to me before. I, I had no concept other than this was like innately in me. <clears throat> and so it's it's interesting because at the time, I probably wouldn't have said that I was having a spiritual experience because I was confused, right? Like I knew, I knew that I loved doing hair. I knew that I loved making people look and feel good, but I was also sensing things about the client that was in my chair that how would I know them? And in a way it almost made me uncomfortable because I was like, what do I do with this? And so what I did was I just, I would put my hands on people. I would sense the things and I would just guide the conversation in the direction that it needed to go without saying, Hey, you had a fight with your husband this morning, right? Like I, I, I wasn't comfortable enough to do that. So there was still a crisis happening. And I must say at the time, um, I found that I was still kind of like trying to navigate between religion and spirituality. I, I had a client who was referred to me um, early into my career and she was a, um, a pastor's wife of a local like non-denominational like Christian church. And um, she invited me to go to church. And at that point I was like, it had been, you know, 10 years, I've got little kids. I'm definitely sensing something spiritual and I'm thinking, okay, maybe the issue was the religion that I was brought up in didn't fit the religion that I was meant to be in. So it's interesting because I was still wrestling with religion and spirituality. Right. And so I kind of like started to dip my big toe in the water of religion again, <laughs> You, you you were searching where, where where you knew right you know you grew yeah. up and, and you were thinking well you know you had experience of connecting with god so you're still looking well, that's what we do right we we're comfortable with what we know so how did that go in terms of looking to religion for those answers um at the time there was so much happening in my personal life, right? I um, had a son who um, was in a freak accident um, and snapped his femur in half on a, in a bike accident. And um, my husband and I had never had 
any kind of spiritual connection with each other as far as like we had never prayed together. We had never gone to church together. We had not done any of those things. And um, our son ended up in the hospital needing surgery, obviously, to repair this broken femur. And we were sitting in the, the hallway of the hospital and I had this prompting that we should pray together. And we sat in the lobby of the, of the hospital. And for the first time ever, we prayed together. And I had this feeling of a deeper connection with him that made me want some form of connection with God even more in my life. Like it was like I had resisted and resisted, but in that moment of this deep family crisis came this next step of awakening where my husband and I together were, were wanting to pursue something. And so out of that moment came the decision for us to join this woman that I was talking about in her faith, in her church. And we started going as part of the congregation to this church. It's and, even interesting how a really painful experience brings, and you share more about this in your book, and it's a really powerful story with your son, but it kind of, it's interesting how spirituality and religion so far in terms of what you shared so far has kind of been part of your spiritual awakening, right? It's that, so, 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 so many people talk about the difference between spirituality and religion. It's just, it's, it is, you know, God has shown up for you in, in, in your story, right? And it's beautiful to see that, but it's, you could tell that you're kind of going through a confusing phase. So, so what did that lead to next? It led to, um, my husband and I becoming very active in that church community. Um, for those who don't know, my husband and I had been married previously. We divorced and out of this crisis with our son, uh, we came back together and remarried. And there was this fierce dedication to uh, making it work and to deepening our connection. And um, and this church, this non-denominational church became kind of a landing spot for us to explore. Uh, we both got baptized um, together at that church and we started teaching in small groups about marriage and family and raising kids. And we started attending church with our children and um, as we were doing all of that, um, I started to have more intuitive insights, not just with my clients, but with my kids, um, even with our home that we purchased. You know, we were searching for a home 
and had looked and looked and looked and hadn't found anything and kept looking. And one day I was like searching online and I saw this home and I, I felt a prompting to go look at it. And I remember pulling up in front of the house to see it for the first time and hearing God say to me, you're going to love on a lot of people in this house. And so it was like, I was opening up to this part of me that had been there, right? Like I had had intuitive moments. I had had moments of sensing things with people, but it was like, it was almost like I was turning up the volume on the intuition while I was exploring religion and spirituality. And at a certain point, the messages were becoming stronger and I was more connected. And I really believe that a lot of that was because of the daily disciplines that I had, right? Um, I became a very avid runner and I felt very spiritually aligned when I was out running in nature. <clears throat> um, I was journaling and I was kind of taking the time to, to process my thoughts. And what was interesting was I was thinking, wow, I've never been so aligned in my life. And so I went to this woman, the pastor's wife that I told you about, and I was like, I can sense things. And it was like the first time where I had kind of come out and said, like, I, I have this intuitive ability and, and, and it was met with some significant resistance. Wow. Yeah. Significant. I can feel but, your excitement just even wanting to talk to her about it. It's like, and I guess, you know, that, how did you react? How did you feel? Well, it's interesting because in, in, and I'm just going to talk about this particular church because I, I can't, I can't speak for all churches. Right. But for this particular church, as I was saying, like, I, you know, I think I have a spiritual gift that I can connect. It was like, no, you can't. <laughs> um, and that's not okay. And it was met with this resistance that then make, kind of tripped me up in like, okay, wait a second. I was raised in a religion where this wasn't acceptable. And now I'm exploring this new religion and this isn't acceptable. And it made me it's very confused. In the box. Yeah. And, and, and let me just say, I think the biggest confusion that I had about it was that at the time I was doing a lot of like Bible study, like deep scripture study. And there are so many stories in the Bible of people having significant spiritual connection and spiritual experiences. And yet it felt like the spiritual gift that I was given of intuition, of sensing things, of knowing things was not acceptable. And that baffled me because we're seeing in history through the Bible that there are stories of people with all kinds of spiritual gifts and yet mine was not okay. And I felt myself again, kind of pulling away from religion because I knew within myself that I knew things and that there, that there was something going on, but I felt rejected. I felt rejected. What did that lead to next? I mean, obviously you were 
you went to where you what you where you felt comfortable, where you thought you were going to get support, where you you thought you were going to get people who understood what you were going through and get some sort of guidance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I became very focused on the things that made me feel good, and specifically running. Running made me feel really good. Uh, writing, journaling made me feel really good. And so I leaned into that and I cultivated a life where I was kind of dabbling in coming out with people that I felt comfortable with. So um, if I would sense something with a client and I would feel like they were open to me telling them, I started sharing some of my intuitive hits but I was really kind of closeted. So, um, you know, I started exploring, you know, what, what modalities felt right to me. And years back when my kids were little, um, the neighborhood kids would all play together. And our neighbor across the street was very unique. She was just very eccentric. And, um, we were standing outside one day and the kids were playing and I had this terrible headache that I could not get rid of. And my neighbor was like, you know, I, I do Reiki and I can, I could help you with your headache. I'm like Reiki, like what? I mean, it was like a foreign word to me. I had never heard of Reiki before. And she explained to me that it was a hands-on healing modality And she was kind of, I trusted her, you know, I felt comfortable with her, but she was like, you know, why don't you come in and, you know, lay on my table and I'll, I'll do some Reiki on you. And I, and I did. Um, And as I was laying there on her table and she placed her hands on my head, I had this really significant experience where um, like in my mind's eye, I saw this beautiful, bright white light and I felt this kind of pressure go up through the roof of my mouth and into my forehead. And I felt the release of this headache that I had been riddled with for hours. And I remember thinking like, this lady must be like a witch or, you know, like something like, I mean, I, I didn't think it was anything that I would be connected to as far as like doing it, but fast forward to the point now where, you know, I'm, I'm in this confusion about religion Um, one of my clients mentioned Reiki and she said that she had gotten certified as a Reiki practitioner. And I just kind of like off the cuff was like, you know, who did you, who taught you Reiki? And she sent me the information. And before I knew it, I had signed up for a Reiki class and decided to just explore what this was because it it still sat with me years later that I had had this experience Right. So, um, I took the, the Reiki training and, um, again, I remember like meeting the woman who was running this class and feeling the feeling of like the angels singing again, she was just exuding love. I mean, from, from every pore in her body this woman was just the epitome of unconditional love. And I was blessed enough to have her do like, um, like a blessing ceremony on me to 
um, initiate giving me the gift of Reiki healing. And I, again, had this powerful experience with this woman in this room where she was attuning me for Reiki. And it was just this beautiful, blessed experience. And I just kept thinking to myself, how is religion so closed off? And these other things that I'm experiencing feel so pure and beautiful. And so I embarked on kind of this, this journey of incorporating self-reiki into my life. And then I started opening up to some clients who were struggling and I offered to do Reiki for them. And it was like, for the first time in my life, I was living in a way that felt pure and healthy and good to me. Nice. And I would, I would say I was more aligned in mind, body, and spirit than I had ever been. And though I wasn't fitting into the box of religion, I was deeply connected within myself. And it was a beautiful space to be in, but it was short-lived because my, my son started to plummet into a personal crisis. Um, and I don't know if we have parents listening right now um, who have gone through struggles with your kids, but when a child is going through a crisis, um, it can really turn your, your world inside out. And I embarked on another season of challenges. Wow. Definitely a roller coaster of a life. Mm -hmm. But it is, and if we go back to Reiki just for a second, I, I really do believe that a lot of our modalities we learn, our, our soul already knows. So you were guided to learn that modality. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, you've had, even through religion, you had magic moments where God has shown up, you know, like the experience you had in your bed when God showed up and kind of um, connecting with the beauty school and then now Reiki. Mm -hmm. What will happen next? I know you, you mentioned your son was struggling and I know you, you talk a lot about this in the book, but um, what happened next in your journey? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm still trying to go to church, right? And kind of like keep that connection. Um Feels like you were searching for something, right? And you were searching, searching, and mm -hmm. you were still looking to where you know, which is was a church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was still doing that. I was dabbling in doing readings for people, but I was super closeted. You know, like you had to know someone to get connected with me for a reading. Uh, my business was very successful. I was very busy with clients. Uh, my marriage was in a great space and my, my son who was 17 at the time, um, started to plummet and it was first, it was, you know, kind of exp experimenting with different substances and, um, 
and then it it just kind of snowballed and we went from this family unit that felt very aligned and loving into a space of watching our son um make horrible decisions um he was battling mental health and substance abuse issues and um in February, or I'm sorry, January of 2019, he overdosed in our home on a over-the-counter concoction of substances. Um, it was terrifying. Um, it was completely out of my wheelhouse. I, though I was with a husband who was in recovery, that was my only experience with addiction. Um, and then four months after he overdosed in our home, he attempted to take his own life um, by running his car into a tree at a hundred miles an hour. And I, I shut down, I, I shut down my business. I stopped running. And while my son was in shock trauma, fighting for his life, I had some significant, powerful spiritual experiences and you know, it's interesting because I had spent time in hospitals throughout my life for various things, whether it was having a baby, whether it was an illness, a surgery, but I had never thought of the hospital as being like a spiritual place. Like I, like I just never thought of that, but in a hospital setting, right, you've got babies being born into the world. So you've got souls entering into the world and then you've got souls that are leaving this world who pass away, right? So it is a very powerful healing space in the sense that it's like a portal to all of these spiritual experiences happening. And I, it's, it's hard to, it's, it's really hard for me to find the words because we were in this massive crisis with a child who was fighting for his life. And yet I was having these very significant experiences that were totally shifting things for me. Yeah, it feels like you're in survival mode. But in somehow being in that survival mode, there was these amazing experiences. Can you share some of these experiences? Yeah. Um, so... When my son was in the hospital, he was in a medically induced coma. And for those who don't know, because I didn't know, um, when someone has uh, a traumatic brain injury and their, their body goes through what my son had gone through, um, oftentimes to allow the brain rest to heal, they will put you in a medically induced coma. And when you're in that medically induced coma, um, they will awaken you, like they'll ease the medication, like 
for short periods of time to slowly re-stimulate the brain without overwhelming it. And during the time that he was in a coma, um, I went home one night from the hospital and I mean, we would be at the hospital all day long and we would come home just completely exhausted. And, um, I remember, um, getting into bed one night and, um, I remember, you know, hearing my husband, like his heavy breathing next to me and I was laying on my back and just kind of like looking up at the ceiling and I don't remember falling asleep. I mean, I, it, it felt like I was awake and, um, my son came walking into our room in this, I believe a vision. And I can remember what he was wearing. You know, he had on his white baseball cap and as he walked into the room, he like flipped it backwards. He was wearing a gray hoodie. He was wearing skinny jeans. He was wearing his sneakers. Like I can remember in all the detail and he came into our room and he sat on the edge of our bed and he looked at me and he said, mom, I, I don't know what to do because I've seen this. And he pointed to the corner of my room and there was this beautiful white light. And it was so bright. Like I could, I, it, I knew it was a being but I couldn't see the being. And on either side, on one side was my grandfather and on the other side was my husband's grandfather. And he was like telling me like, this is what I've seen. And then he said, but if I stay, I have a huge mess to clean up. And then he looked at me and I could feel him asking me like, like, what do I do? And my response to him was, it's not up to me. And then he was gone. And I woke up the next morning and I had this calm that was not even describable because in the crisis that we were in, I shouldn't have been calm, right? My son's fighting for his life, but I had this like deep sense of peace. And my husband woke up and I told him what happened and he collapsed and he was like, oh my God, like he's going to die. Like he came to you, like he's going to die. And I remember thinking, that's not what I, like, that's not the, I felt peace and he was upset. Right. And so I couldn't calm him down. And we like frantically got ready to go to the hospital again. And we got in the car and I remember we, we barely spoke because he was just focused on getting to the hospital. And we enter Baltimore, big city here and park the car and we're walking towards the hospital and I can hear my son's voice. And he says, mom, send dad into the room and I'll confirm that I was there. And I'm thinking to myself, I've lost my mind. I, I just heard my son speaking. I have lost my mind. And I just blurted out to my husband, when they wake him, you have to go into his room and ask him if he was in our room, he's going to confirm it. And my husband's like, okay, you know, and we go up to the waiting room and I waited with um, the pastor and his wife who were there with us that day. I waited with them in the waiting room and my husband went into my son's room and they eased the medication. So he was wakeful 
again, he was only able, he had a trach, so he wasn't able to speak, but he was able to mouth words. My husband was in there for about 15 or 20 minutes and he came out into the waiting area and he had tears streaming down his face. And he was like, he confirmed it in two different ways that he was in our room. And I was like, I told you, like I knew, right? And so we went home that night, again, the same thing, went to bed late. And as we're getting into bed, the phone rings and it's the hospital. So you quickly pick up the phone, you know, like what's wrong. And the nurse was like, nothing's wrong. I just wanted to tell you, we woke Dylan up again and he insisted that we call you. And he just keeps saying the same phrase, mouthing the same phrase over and over again. I was upstairs. I was upstairs. I was upstairs. And it's like that experience totally changed me. Wow. I had spent so much time resisting, right? Like, this is the way I was raised. This is how things are supposed to be. There's something wrong with me that this doesn't fit. And the problem is me. And I shifted from that to, no, Stacy, like, God is with you because he's within you. It's not about the place where you go to worship in a certain way. It's not about what other people tell you you're supposed to do. It's about you listening to the messages that you're receiving and following that divine guidance. Wow. How powerful is that? And that's, I wonder how many people can relate to that story in terms of Instead, think about how many people we talk to say, you know, when I was younger, I didn't use my gifts because I didn't, you know, didn't didn't feel connected to, you know, there's something missing. It was me. There was something wrong with me. I wonder how many people can can relate to that story. And I guess the message to the listeners are is, look, we all have gifts, right? And it's not you. You have to accept you and connect with those gifts because there is a space for religion and spirituality. And it's really, Stacey, you're an amazing storyteller and there's so much so much more detail you share in your book. Um, but it's really interesting how your experience, you know, with, with, with your son and kind of what you saw gave you peace. Because for me, it said to you, if, if, if it was your son's time, he was going to a good place. So from a soldier, and he kind of kind of gave you comfort that look, there is somebody there for him, because you, you you know you're looking at him more from a spiritual, whereas your husband' reaction was very human. Oh my God, you know, our, our son's going to die, and it's that kind of, for me that that kind of says the difference between kind of the human existence and having a spiritual perspective. It doesn't make it easier for you know life and death, and but it does give you a perspective, and I just love the way you, you tell it because it's you know it was in many ways. Yes, it was your son telling you that he had a choice to make, um, but it is also you being very open to your gifts. Mm-hmm. And Slice, as I always said to you, you have you have a beautiful way of telling a story where I just feel like I'm there with you and. I would highly recommend people buy the book or listen to the book because 
she goes into so much more detail. So such a powerful story. Yeah, it's interesting because at the time it was like there was a force pushing me to open me up in a way that I wouldn't have ever expected. And there were other experiences that happened. I mean, I'm just recounting this one right now, but there were just several experiences that just deepened my connection with myself, with God, with, you know, my, my intuitive abilities, my empathic abilities. And I went from, you know, this life that was kind of laid out and beautiful and, and for me felt perfect in the sense of like, I was, you know, with a loving partner, I was raising my four beautiful children. We were living in this home in the country and like everything felt so aligned and yet there was more. And it was like, God was like, I, I want something different from you. And the calling, cause that's what it was for me. The calling felt stronger than anything else I had ever experienced ever. It was like, it didn't matter if people didn't understand what had happened to me. It didn't matter if they were going to judge me. It, none of that mattered. None of it mattered. All of it went out the window. And it was like, I know I had this experience. I know that it's changing me. And I know that whatever it is, I now have to be open to it. And it was undeniable. It was like, I, I just, I didn't care what other people had to say, which is something I had cared about for a really long time, right? I had let other people tell me, this is how you're supposed to do things. And I had tried other people's ways for a long time. And in this season, it became about what was happening within me and how I was going to handle that versus what other people were telling me or what other people thought. Wow, that's so powerful. Again, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. You know, how often do we look to other people? Because you, know, you talked about religion and the pastor's wife and you think, oh my God, these people have more experience. Mm -hmm. But nobody knows you better than you, right? And you know, you, you, you've got some powerful nudges there from the universe for sure. Mm -hmm. I, I would never wish on anyone what the experience has been for me of this process with my son. I was so deeply challenged by the his pain and sometimes when i think about it even now i don't know how any of us survived it i i just i don't know and yet out of this experience has come the deepest awareness that i am on my own unique path and that the answers are within me. Yeah. I mean, I love how you talk about 
you know, when, when, when your son crashed his car, he took all of you with you, right? And I love, because from there, everyone has a choice um, how they're going to react to it, right? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so um, like I said, I have four kids and I I tell people often that the day that my son crashed his car into a tree, it was like he put the whole family in the car with him. And each one of us came out with different injuries. And each one of us came out with a different timeline for healing. And, you know, some people, when they go through a, a crash or an injury, they are super dedicated to going to physical therapy and following the doctor's instructions and making sure that they, they heal the best they can. And others of us come out of it and we just kind of survive like with whatever, whatever we might, we might limp the rest of our lives, but like, we're not, we're not going to acknowledge getting physical therapy. We're just going to walk with the limp. Right. And so in my family, everybody came out with different, with different injuries. Everybody came out with a different timeline for healing and um, it impacted us all differently. And my son specifically, um, still struggled for quite a while, but he found a spiritual connection as well and has done some massive healing and has now dedicated his life to helping others who struggle with substance abuse and mental health issues. Um, my husband, for example, is no longer my husband and has chosen to be in a state of denial and avoidance and has run from, from the story. And for me, I think my biggest injury is that I now wear my heart on the outside of my chest. I have a level of vulnerability that I've never experienced before. Um, and the filter that I lived with for so long is gone. I now... You call that an injury. I mean, I love your vulnerability. I love how honest you are and how much you share from the heart. Um, I know you say it's, you know, you can't, not something you can control but you are vulnerable you are honest and for me that's one of your gifts mm -hmm. I think it's a I think it's a gift in the sense of you know it it definitely opens other people up right when I'm when I'm open and I'm vulnerable it it, it definitely kind of it, it's it's brought a community together right we we have a community on clubhouse we have a a, a beautiful experience there. We've got people who, who follow me because of my vulnerability. Yes. In that sense, it's, it's beautiful, but as the person who's living with it, it's, it, it feels like it's not a choice <laughs> and that's why I call it an injury because there are times where it would be great if I could, you know, close it off a little bit and, and, and not be so open, but it's like, it, it, it feels like something that I don't necessarily have control of. 
it's like I it's at a certain point and I've I've talked about this on the podcast before at a certain point shortly before all of this happened with my son I had this experience where I surrendered um and the surrender was from a deep soul space and that surrender has been like almost like an agreement or a contract that I signed with God that I would be open and authentic and vulnerable. And sometimes, sometimes it's hard, you know, sometimes it's really hard, but I know that through my authenticity and my vulnerability and through my intuitive abilities and my empathic abilities, I know that I have been able to not only bring a community together, but I've been able to help people on their healing journey as well. And, and so- And I, you inspire I, other people to be authentic. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it's, it's, it's that, it's the power of you being authentic and setting that example. Um, I've seen other people be authentic because you've shared so authentically mm-hmm. and there's power in sharing people's story. And, and when you do that, I, I get it's difficult and I get it, it. It's emotional. I've seen you get emotional with it and just, um, but I also want you to appreciate the impact that you have when you do that because you inspire other people to be authentic and share their story. Mm-hmm. The other thing I, I I thought of, and actually I'm not sure we talked about this before, but it's interesting how um, the bike accident with your son brought you and your husband together and almost like the car accident with your other son pulled you apart. And is it really interesting how there's major pivotal moments in our lives that don't always actually directly involve us because they were your son. Obviously, they involve you because they're your son, but as in you went with the one with physical injury, but have such a major impact in our lives. And I guess the reason I mention is that maybe for our listeners, think about the major things that have happened in your lives and what impact have they had on you on your spiritual journey? Because I'm sure that, and you know, for me, a lot of these things when you went through it are almost like a rebirth because you came out a different person. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the bike accident with your son it really connected you and, and your husband back to, to religion, right? You kind of went, you know, in some sort of a deeper spiritual connection. And then the car accident with your son, you went through so many different spiritual experiences. Again, wouldn't want to wish it on the level of pain that your son went through, the level of pain you went through, wouldn't want to wish it on anyone. But actually, you went through so many amazing awakening experiences that you share in your book that are super powerful. But it's those pivotal things that, are, for me, are like a rebirth. So, what happened next on your on your journey? So, um, I I tried to, you know, as as my son went off to another rehab stay and, and, you know, was navigating through sobriety and stuff, recovering from the crash. Um, I found myself in a space where I was lost. Like I had had these profound spiritual experiences, but I had let my physical health go. Um, I went through a horrendous surgery that, um, I ended up needing another surgery for, Um, and I tried to go back to my old life 
and I tried to go back to hairdressing and um, through just a series of events, including COVID, um, it was like the universe and God were saying like, this, this isn't where we want you. This, this is not where we want you. And, um, I embarked on a journey of reconnecting with myself. I was, um, during COVID, I was, you know, not obviously not doing hair, not seeing clients. We were shut down and I was introduced to a beauty brand and I started working for that company and, um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I, I started going live on Facebook every day, um, doing my makeup and encouraging women to love themselves and care for themselves. And I started publicly pulling Oracle cards for the first time and using my intuitive abilities. But while I was using my intuitive abilities publicly, I was also looking in the camera every day at myself encouraging women to love themselves and going deeper in, in my healing journey. And as I was doing that and I started pulling cards for people, um, I was getting a lot of messages from people asking me to do private readings for them. And I, I started like honoring the gifts that, that I had opened up to. And, um, it, kind of took on a life of its own. I, you know, hair started kind of like fading into the background and doing the healing work, doing readings for people started to become something that I was doing more and more along with Reiki. And um, I met some amazing people. I was riddled with a stomach bug for a couple of days and a friend reached out to me and she was like, there's this new social media app and I think it was meant for you and it's called Clubhouse. And I joined Clubhouse, which was an audio app. And um, for, the, for the first time, I started sharing my story publicly of what I had been through with my son and started sharing about my empathic and intuitive abilities publicly and started meeting people. You were one of them started meeting people who were spiritual and connected. And it was like, I was finding my tribe for the first time. I was finding people that not only um, embraced and accepted me, but who understood me and understood that I had these abilities. And um, I made the decision to completely give up my career in the beauty industry to dedicate my life to healing work and helping people in a different way. How powerful is that? You've gone from some something that actually at the time was your purpose, right? You'd found, you'd found your calling and I'm sure at the time you thought you'd be doing it forever. Mm-hmm. But the universe, God, your guides, whatever you want to call it, had a totally different plan for you. And you were open to the magic of it. Mm-hmm. And you were willing to take that trust for. I mean, trust falls down at one of your favorite songs. But it's, you know, you're willing to take that trust for and totally embrace what you were and actually give up something that you used to love. Mm-hmm. 
And it is such a great example of kind of letting go of the things that no longer serve and being open to it. Because how many people stay in careers that used to fulfill them, but actually no longer do? Mm-hmm. So you're saying, you're saying a great example there, Stace. It's crazy. I mean, I have times where I'm like, like, oh my God, <laughs> like I did this, you know, and I kind of like panic and I think like, you know, am I, am I doing what I'm meant to do? Am I, am I, you know, helping people in the way that I'm meant to help them? Um, but every time that I have a client who has a breakthrough and is able to heal something that has been weighing them down for a long time, anytime I'm able to help people dial in on their gifts and abilities, um, I, I'm just filled with so much gratitude that I get to do this work. And, um, you know, through the process, I had a prompting to tell my story in a book. And, you know, if, if somebody had asked me, I don't know, like two years ago, like, what's something that you want to do, like, before you die? The only thing I would have said was, I want to write a book. And I'm sitting here looking at my book right now, sitting right next to me. Um, and I'm just in awe that God blessed me with the ability to get the story out because, you know, it's one thing to tell like a brief snippet of your story, right? When you're talking to a friend and you say, you know, my son went through this horrific thing. It's another thing to go through chronologically um, the story of your life in detail. And in order to do that, you have to go back to the very place that you were when those painful things happened. And you have to recount in all senses what it was like in order to take the reader on a journey. And I knew that it was something that I really wanted to do, but I'm still in awe that God gave me the courage and the ability to do it because it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Make sure you give yourself some credit there too. I mean, God was there for you, but you did it too, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I saw how much pain you had to go through to share your story. And even in this podcast, we could do a series of podcasts based on your story and what you've been through and your different awakenings. You know, we kind of share a snippet of it in in, in this episode. Um, and you shared some of it in previous episodes. So, you know, there's just chapters of Stacey's book that we've shared and um, the process of writing the book. So there's definitely more detail out there on, on, on the different podcasts. But Stacey, tell us where you are today. I mean, for sure, Clubhouse is a big part of it. Um, you by being open to be becoming that healer and making the choice that you have, I've seen you grow as a healer. I've seen you grow and become this healer that you are today. And I introduced you at the beginning as, as an amazing healer because I really do think you are. So what what kind of led you from kind of starting to open up and truly start using your gifts to continue to expand in, you know, where you are today? Um, I would say... 
I have been making heart-led decisions instead of head-led decisions. Um, I, I don't have it all figured out, you know, like I don't, I, it's, it's not that it's just that I follow the promptings of what I feel like I'm meant to do. And, um, you know, the book was released several months ago and I was able to, to accomplish that goal. Um, I now spend my days, uh, pouring into people in various ways. So working with clients, doing readings, uh, both intuitive readings, Oracle card readings, Akashic record readings. Um, we have this podcast that I love so much and I'm really dedicated to. And, um, you know, I'm going through a shift personally as well. Um, I'm in a space right now where I'm open to being in a relationship and seeing what that experience is like. And I'm working on navigating a new season of parenting with my children, three of which are grown, one that's still at home. And I am in a season of unknown, but also in a season of very heart-led decisions. Nice. I don't know what's next. I don't know what's next. I have no idea what the path looks like. Um, I have moments where I think, you know, should I still be doing hair? <laughs> You know, like I have moments like that. And then I, I stop myself and I think about the impact that we're having globally on people. And I'm just completely in this for whatever God wants it to be. Powerful. Powerful. And it is that leap of faith, right? You could have stayed in, stayed in a structured hairdressing environment, kind of day to day. Um, you took that leap of faith. So what would your advice be to people who who are maybe feeling a calling or maybe feeling like they don't belong, they're meant to be doing something different? What would you advise people to do? So I didn't know the power of this when I did it, but I, I've told the story on here before. Um, I embarked on like a spiritual fast of sorts. Um, but right before everything happened with my son, it was through a church that we were visiting. And um, I was in the car listening to a podcast <clears throat> and I made the decision to surrender. The podcast was about surrender. And I had a moment of just complete and full surrender kind of letting go what I thought my life should look like for whatever God had in store. And I believe that that moment was very pivotal in my, my journey. And so I would encourage our listeners to take a moment to surrender and let go of the idea of what you thought your life was going to look like for whatever God has in store for you. Um, it was a super powerful practice for me. And it's something that I find myself doing even now when I try to like overanalyze or, you know, like 
question or whatever doubt, whatever you want to say is to just have that moment of surrender. So I would encourage our listeners to first surrender. And then the next thing that, that I would encourage is after the surrender is, is the trust, trusting that you are going to be led on the path that is right for you and let go of the ideas of what others might think for whatever feels true to you. Powerful, powerful. And you know, that surrender should come with the health warning, right, Stace? Very uh, much so. And um so as we close out this episode, and like I said, Stace, we could we could do another two or three on, on your story for sure. Um you know, the spiritual awakening going through, I I think I really feel that journaling is a big part of it. So if you could leave our listeners with a with a couple of journal prompts, you know, kind of to go deep on their journey, what would those journal prompts be? Um, I would encourage you to process how you have been brought up, meaning like what's been instilled in you versus what do you believe to be true for yourself, right? Because I think sometimes we get so caught up in our programming and like how that things are supposed to be a certain way because that was the way we were raised. And so I encourage you to just like dig into that, like whether it's a, a religious environment that you were brought up in or the way that your family was structured or what have you, I would just encourage you to dig into that. Like, are you living the way that you feel you're meant to live or are you living the way that you were programmed to live? Because there's a difference, right? Yeah. And then the next thing I would encourage you to do is journal about like, what do you need to surrender? Like, what are you willing to let go of in order to be true to yourself? Powerful, powerful. And and it's interesting for me, this episode has, has been about your journey, but also the role that religion plays in your journey for spirituality. It's that, you know, you, you, your general prompt was talking a lot about programming um, and how many of us had that, have had that religious programming, that parental programming. And really this journey is about having that human experience and, you know, what are you here to do? So powerful, powerful general prompts. Um, Stacey, you know, I love sharing this space with you. Um, the book we should mention is called uh, Journey to Soul Center. Um, it is, I'll post a, I'll post a link um, in the show notes. Powerful, I would highly, highly recommend it. Um, it's available on Audible. Stacey's an amazing storyteller. She goes deep and, you, uh, you know, I've heard the story many times and I feel, every time I hear it, I feel like I'm there with you. So um, I highly recommend it. Um, but if you are on this journey and you are going through some sort of awakening, um, the services we offer are really to guide people through their awakening. So please do book a free discovery call. We'll take you through whatever services we offer, including mentorship and coaching. And um, we always offer whatever advice we can on social media too. So follow us on social media. Um, you know, Stace, I love sharing this space with you. You're always so vulnerable and um, sending lots of love, out, love and light out to all the listeners. I'm going to hand over to you to close us out. Thanks friends for being with us. And thank you for letting me share my story. We love hearing from you. So um, give us a follow on social media, reach out to us. We love when you rate and review this podcast. 
Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Bye for now.